How many of you have never heard me teach before? Can I see your hands? Okay, let's do this differently. Who's heard me teach? One, two. Okay, you can put those hands down. This is, this is what I thought would happen. And I want the little girls, this row right here, you're, you're going to be my extra brain. I have a job for you. You see these books right here? At the end of my teaching, you have to remind me that I'm supposed to give away some books, okay? So when you see me get ready to go sit down, you say, wait, wait. Just give me the stop sign, okay? Let's practice. Let me see you give me the stop sign. They got me. Okay, good. <laughs> I wonder where they learned that. <laughs> well, I think we need to do this. Before I get into this lesson, and I'm going to be teaching on the art of self-denial. And um, that is going to be, well, this is your last chance to head for the door. But <laughs> well, we're going to have a lesson that's going to be, I, where's the other young lady that taught from Golden State? Where'd you go? Say your name again. Courtney, were you at Golden State when my kids were out there? Colin, the baby? I'm sorry. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, 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 t I just, I chuckle whenever anybody tells me they were anywhere with any one of my kids. You know how we think in terms of which one does what? And, and that was the one that always surprised us. So I was thinking, anytime I hear that, it's like, oh, all right, don't judge our family, okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding, he's delightful. Well, she already told you about my family and she already told you the intro part. So I'm just gonna play a really short getting to know you game so that all those hands that went up and there was like 200 hands that have never heard me teach before. When we play this game, you'll feel like, ah, I've known her forever. And then I'll get into this lesson. So is it a deal? All right, let me tell you how the game works so there'll be no cheating. Here's how it goes. The name of the game is, Are You My Sister? I'm gonna make a statement, and if it's true of you, I'll say, Are You My Sister? And if it's true, you say, Yes, with a really high voice. And if it's nothing like you, you're gonna say, No, with a really deep voice, so that we can tell the difference. So let's hear the yes. Yes. Okay, let's hear the no. No. Okay, that's the voice of rebellion. Okay, we're ready to play. I think we're ready to play. And this is just so we can get to know each other, and then we're going to get right into the lesson. So here's the first one. Now remember, don't answer yes or no till I ask, are you my sister? Number one out of three, I talk to other drivers even though they can't hear me and my windows are up. Are you my sister? Yes! Okay, now I'm thinking this whole front row doesn't drive, so they shouldn't have been saying anything. But okay, that was a lot of you, and you probably talk all bad about them. You've got to understand this, sister friends. They can't hear you. <laughs> it's a really strange habit, really strange. Okay, number two out of three. I hate bugs. I didn't ask you yet. Some of you want to already say, yes! I hate bugs, so I spray them a really long time with rain. Are you my sister? Everywhere I go in America, there's ladies who say no. And so I've discovered this. The ladies who said no can kill the bugs for the ones who said yes. And we've got a deal. Those are the ladies you want to go with you when you take a trip to a campground, right? Okay, number three out of three in the Are You My Sister game. This one, I'm thinking I've got some sisters, but you might not have tried this before. If I'm in church and I forget to turn my cell phone on vibrate, I just look at my neighbor like it's them. Are you my sister? Oh, well now see, you gotta get spiritual. Now I've taught you something deep and philosophical. So on Sunday when that phone rings and it's yours, don't look down, look over. And then you just, nobody knows it was your phone. See, now that you've got the hard lesson out of the way, we'll go into the other stuff. Let's open in a word of prayer. By the way, how many you got at least two out of three? Most of the room. Now you're my sister by another mother. So now we know each other, and now we can get into this lesson on the art of self-denial. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, you're the one who said, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. And I thank you so much that you give us things that really do give us merry hearts and even joy. But I pray, Father, that we'd also realize that the sober times are good for us as well. Help us as we study your word, O oh Lord. 
I pray that you'd fill each one of us with your Holy Spirit power so that we'll be yielded to you. Anything that you touch, Lord, over these next two days, please help us to stay yielded. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever had an argument and you had to have the last word? I know. Isn't it just an awful thing? All right, how about this question? How many of you have ever got, gotten out of bed in the morning and it was already a bad day because you were feeling crabby? And nobody had done anything and it just started off weird. Have you ever had that happen? A lot, of, a lot of nodding. How about this one? How many of you have ever gone on some kind of a diet, lost a bunch of weight, and then gained it back? <laughs> what is that science about anyway? And how come it takes like months to lose 15 pounds, but we could gain them in like three days? I want someone to explain that to me one day. But you know, all of those things that I brought up, the thing that they have in common is self-denial. When we have a situation like the wanting to get in the last word, we're not denying ourselves, we're indulging ourselves. Or when we're feeling a bit like Thelma Thundercloud and you know we just don't hide it, we just choose to let somebody have it, we're not denying ourselves, we're indulging ourselves. And the same thing, actually, when it comes to food. We hate to talk about it, especially on a night when I heard there's coconut cake in the building. I won't touch this one too long. But there are times that we know that we're going too far in our food choices, aren't there? And we just keep on going because we're indulging rather than saying, I want to deny myself. But the Lord wants us to learn self-denial. Self-denial is really the ability to tell ourselves no or wait. And the Lord gives us the direction on the difference. Sometimes he's saying, no, child, no. Other times he's saying, wait. That's his form of wait training. Only he's telling us wait in a different way. And so we're going to study together this art of self-denial. And we're going to look at five, five ways that we can start practicing in this area. Because really, honestly, this lesson is one of those kind of lessons where I would highly recommend you go on into a study of scripture on this beyond what we cover tonight. I'm only going to get to cover a little bit. But in these five points, I, I hope that I'll give you something that you can go out the door and start applying it right away. But first, let me be distracted for a second because I have the attention span of a first grader and that's really true about a lot of teachers and that's why they teach because they can't sit still. <laughs> I just told all the teachers business right there. But here I am looking over here and I'm seeing one of the daughtery sisters. And are you the same one that I saw in Pensacola Beach? Oh my goodness, this was the most unusual story. I was still pretty new to Pensacola. In fact, I think it was June of 2018. That was just last summer. And I went to the beach with my youngest son, Colin. And Colin is a beach bum. He's just a great big brown beach bum. And he wants to go to the beach every time he's in town and several times. And this was the day he was supposed to be flying out. And I said, oh, I don't know, son. Oh, come on, mom, come on. And you know when they're adults, you really don't have the authority to tell them they can't go. <laughs> you can try it, but it won't work. So I wasn't going to pull out my because I said so card. So we went to the beach, and he said, Mom, isn't that cute? Look at that little guy doing just like I used to do. He's dropping everything in the sand, and he's just walking and leaving it. I said, my goodness, yes, that is exactly how you used to be. We lost more stuff all over America because Colin would drop it and leave it. <laughs> just keep going like it didn't belong to him. And I mean, you know. And so here's this little guy, and he's taking this huge beach bag, and stuff's falling, and his shoes came off, and Colin walked behind him chuckling and picked up his little shoes and went and gave them to Para? Para. Yeah, para. Para. And Para turned around and said, are you Francie Taylor? <laughs> and I looked at her, and I said, how would you know that? Because I'm a total stranger on this beach. And my son's looking at me like, and afterwards, we walked away, and he said, 
celebrity. And I said, I am not either. I don't know how that happened, but the Lord put the two of us on the beach at the same time. You were there with your sisters, weren't you? And the children, and it was just one of those, that's not, uh, uh, what do you call it? It's not a coincidence, it's a God incidence. So we had such, that was, so when I saw you over there, I thought, no way. Stop being a distraction. Okay, let's turn in our Bibles. We're back in the book of Luke where we just were with Courtney and both Courtney and Noel are wonderful teachers. And I have to say to both of you young ladies, please keep teaching. You know, when I was um, the coordinator of our ladies meeting in Minnesota, I had the job of finding speakers. And it was always so hard. In fact, one time I called the lady at her house and asked if she would teach a workshop. And she started to cry on the phone. And I said, well, no, we're not going to make you. But I was just going to, I just wanted to know if you would. And she said, but it, it makes me so nervous. I'm crying thinking about it. I said, okay, never mind. You know, and I kept calling. But I told you that because I want you both to know that we, we need to have more ladies that are willing to speak. And, and that goes for anybody in here. If, you, if you're scared of a microphone, it's okay. They, they really, you could turn it sideways and then you don't have to be scared. But honestly, we need more ladies to teach. Such a blessing. Your lessons were very pivotal. And I never saw that acrostic, no matter how many times I've been through scripture. And I love the word overwhelmed. Because I always think that that's another way of God showing us how much he understands us. The word overwhelmed is in the Bible. I just love that. So thank you both. I really appreciate you so much. Let's read together Luke 9, 23. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. And this is going to be our springboard text into this lesson tonight, this brief lesson. And so let's read it all together out loud if you're ready. Ready? Begin. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And take up his cross how often? Daily. Oh, not just once in a while? Isn't this an interesting actual verse and instruction? He was talking to this group that was listening to him at the time, but scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, so this is still profitable for us today. He wants us to understand that we're going to have to practice self-denial every day we're on this earth, every day we work. So five ways that we can practice. And I, I think, do they have, you have something to write on? You do? Everybody has something to write on? Okay. And I'll repeat them so if you didn't get it the first time, I'll say it twice. Number one, admit when you're wrong. Admit when you're wrong. This is one of the five ways we can practice self-denial. And the scripture, if you want to write down the reference, then I'm going to read it anyway, but it'll help you if you're going back to study these notes later. The scripture for this is found in Proverbs 13:10, and it says this, you know this one, only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. So one of our first forms that we're going to get into in practicing the art of self-denial is learning how to admit when we're wrong. Easier said than done, isn't it? We tend to measure wrong, don't we? I was wrong, but you were wronger. <laughs> we do, we have this thing in our head. It's like I, if she hadn't poked me first, I would not have had this happen. Don't we do that? But the Lord wants us to focus on our part. Because here's what's going to happen when we get to heaven. He's not going to say, oh, did she provoke you? <laughs> no. He's not going to say that. He's going to ask us to give an account for ourselves, isn't he? And so because of that, we need to stay in the mindset of focusing on our behavior or correcting our misbehavior. Not looking out at other people and saying, she started it. But admitting our part in any kind of strife. So jot down just a few things under number one. First of all, remember that pride is arrogance with a superiority complex. Pride says, I'm better than her. And that's where trouble can really get started. The minute that we think that we're superior, we're going to run into some problems with people. And it's hard to hide that, by the way. 
Other people can tell when we think we're better. Or they can tell when we're looking a little bit down our nose at them. People can tell this. I know we can tell, can't we? When someone treats you with just a little bit of an air of you're beneath them, can't you tell? And so we have to be careful that we're not doing that. It is so easy to have drama in life if we're always right. That's like birthing your own drama. We cannot possibly always be right. And so we have to acknowledge this. Also remember this, admitting when we're wrong is a sign of wisdom. Now we all want to have wisdom and we want to display wisdom. We want to live in wisdom. So sometimes God will have us do something wrong or he'll allow us to stumble into our wrong. He doesn't ever make us do wrong. But he'll let us go ahead and he'll give us enough rope where we hang our own selves because he knows what's going to come out of that is that we're going to learn. When we're wrong, if we're going to admit it and if we're going to be Christ-like, we're going to humble ourselves and we're going to go and admit that we're wrong. And when we do that, now we're practicing meekness and humility and we're being like our Father. And the longer that we spend time with Christ, the more we should look like him, sound like him, act like him. It should come with the, the habit of dwelling with him and walking with him. So when we get to this point where we're saying, okay, I know I was wrong, I've got to get this right, it is actually good for us. Sometimes we can get into these situations that are so uncomfortable and then the strife is going on back and forth. You know how you get those knots in your stomach when you even see that person that you've got a problem with? But the Lord is trying to teach us something through that if we'll slow down, get ourselves out of the way, and pay attention and learn. One of the greatest things you can do when you've got an issue between you and someone else, ask the Lord to help you see it his way. Not our way. Because we're too one-sided in our vision. We want him to show us, Lord, what did I do wrong? Lord, what would be the right thing for me to do to bring peace to this situation? Blessed are the peacemakers. It doesn't say blessed are the strife makers. And so we want God to show us, how can I do this? Those uncomfortable situations that we don't like at all, they actually train us in meekness and humility. And so the to-do under number one is be quick to ask forgiveness and be equally quick to grant it. You've got two things going on there. We need to ask forgiveness when we're wrong, and we need to grant forgiveness when somebody comes to us and says, I was wrong, will you forgive me? Don't delay, because if you delay, you'll start rationalizing. So you want to do that quickly. Number two out of five, learn how to spare your words. Learn how to spare your words or also known as, learn how to put your tongue on a budget. <laughs> if we could think about words like they were money, and we were told that we could only spend so much per day, don't you think we'd be a little bit more careful because we'd know we're going to run out of money? Well, we need to treat words like very valuable communication tools, and you only need so many every day. I know you've probably heard that funny that they, they crack about women, how a, a man, a woman will use 25,000 words to say what a guy could say in 25. And you know, we know that it doesn't get that extreme, but we also know that sometimes we talk too much, don't we? And in talking too much, it crosses us over into trouble. Proverbs 17, 27, and 28 is your scripture for this. And oh my goodness, Prepare to be poked in the eyeball with a pencil on this one because it's really pointed. It is really pointed. It says, He that hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. I like that so far. Gets tough here. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. Ouch. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Double ouch. So, as Grandma used to say, it's better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> so, we have got to learn how to spare our words. 
it's just really, really important that we learn to do this. Sparing the words means we're gonna do a couple of things at the very least. One, we're gonna do this. Never feel obligated to speak everything you're thinking. Don't say everything you're thinking. Don't do it, sister friends. I promise you the outcome is not good. We want to be so careful. Sparing the words means you're going to hold those words. You're going to not say everything. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, but sometimes you really need to tell somebody how you feel. Really? Sometimes we just don't want to deny ourselves. That's what the real sometimes is. We feel like we have to say what we're going to say because she needs to hear it. Really? Or is the issue that we just can't be quiet? The very next opportunity that you're going to have to say too much is coming soon. Like maybe before bedtime. And you're going to remember that we covered this in the lesson and you're going to say to yourself, spare your words. Spare your words. And then when you get home tomorrow and somebody broadsides you with something and you want to come right back with some, spare your words. Spare your words. I hope this plays in your head like a tape. Spare your words. You're going to say, I can't get her out. She's still saying it. I got to get Francie out of my head. Spare your words. There are some thoughts that should never be spoken. And we will improve our relationships with other people if we will master the art of sparing our words. Another caution under number two, when you're tired or when you're angry, spare your words. Get in the habit of speaking less. Some people would add a third one to that. Some people would add, or if you're hungry. But I just think that's a really poor excuse to chew somebody out. You can just go eat. <laughs> be mad. Why be mad? Go eat. Eat something. If you get that bad off, carry a granola bar or something, but keep yourself <laughs> under control. I don't think hunger should be a reason to be evil and, and crooked. But tired is an interesting condition. Tired messes with your processing of information. Tired messes with how you think. And so when you're tired, if somebody says something, you could actually process it incorrectly. And you could think that they meant something they didn't mean. Have you ever misunderstood something somebody said? How many have had that happen? And they didn't mean it like that at all. I mean, my goodness, tired can really mess with the processing plant. So when we're tired and we know when we're tired, don't we, who has to tell us? In fact, don't you hate it when you thought you covered it up and somebody comes up to you and says, boy, you look tired. It's like, oh, I put on the powder and the paint that makes a woman what she ain't. I don't know how come, why do you have to talk about my tired? Because I was trying to cover it up. But you know, there's, there's, people can usually tell. But we for sure can tell. And when we're tired, we need to spare those words. And that angry, well, God addressed this point blank. In Proverbs 10, 19, he said, In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. That is very related to sparing your words, refraining those lips. Imagine your lips with a zipper over them. And you've zipped it and put a padlock on the end. Because the risk of saying something wrong when you're angry is magnified times a thousand. I mean, just think about it. We're flesh. And when we act in the flesh, wow, trouble can happen, can't it? I mean, let's face it. People can be irritating. Sometimes people do things or say things that are wildly irritating. But do you know what? Here's something that you might have known but you just forgot about. They don't realize it. It's not like people wake, wake up in the morning and say, oh, today I can't wait to be the most irritating person on earth and I've got a list of people I'm going after. No, it's an accident. When somebody irritates you, they didn't plot that. 
nine times out of 10, it was an accident, a big accident. Just like when you go to a restaurant and you were waiting all day for that one meal, you had your mind on that meal. Name your favorite meal. What's your favorite? Pie? That pie's not a meal. <laughs> Unless you're eating the whole one. But tacos, somebody said tacos. Okay, so, all right, what'd you say? Tacos, so tacos, tacos is winning right now. Okay, so somebody brings you a platter of tacos to your table and they put some queso dip with it and some chips and salsa and there's your food and it's hot and it's ready and you're excited and then you pick up the first taco and there's a great big long hair. <laughs> now do you imagine that the chef was in the kitchen and he said, pluck, there, you can serve it now. You know, like I know, the hair in the food is an accident. Guess what? So are run-ins with people. We've got to get to the point where we're processing this correctly. So when you're angry, speak less. You will be less likely to sin if you don't use too many words. So this is just what scripture taught us. So you're to do under number two. Remember, you won't get in trouble for what you didn't say. Number three out of five. We're talking about how we can practice the art of self-denial. Number three, refuse to accept spiritual laziness. Refuse to accept spiritual laziness. And the scripture for this is Proverbs 8, 33 to 34. It's a fascinating passage of scripture that reminds us how often God wanted us in the word. Hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my door. I have met so many people that have honestly, openly confessed that they don't read their Bible daily. In fact, one time, one of the people that I met was a pastor's wife. And she was driving me to the airport, and I'm so grateful that none of you know my schedule, so you'd never be able to figure out who she is. She's anonymous. That's who she is. That's her first name, Anana, and her last name is Mus. So Mrs. Anonymous, she's driving me to the airport, and, she's, and this happens a lot when I'm in an airport ride. We get to talking about a lot of personal things. And so she said, Francie, could, could, could I ask you for some counsel? And I said, sure. I, I, I just, all I can give you is scripture. I don't know anything on my own. And she said, okay. And then she was quiet. And then her lips started to quiver. And then she started to cry. And I thought, oh, it's going to be something so big and hard. That always makes me personally nervous. Because you know what? Speakers, we're ordinary girls. Courtney said it so true. We put our hosiery on one leg at a time. Like everybody else, we're just not scared of microphones. But we, we have problems like you do. We have concerns like you do. Don't we, don't we know all? We have regular life like you do. So as she's crying, I'm starting to go through the database of things that she could be about to say. And I'm thinking of all the worst case scenarios. And I'm really asking the Lord, please give me the answer because if it's this, I won't know what to, if it's this. And I'm, literally, I'm, I'm all distracted talking to the Lord while she's crying. And she's driving. And then she finally came out with it and she said, I'm not reading my Bible daily. And I thought, oh, phew. Okay, this one is a fixable one. Like, we can do this in one drive. But I was so worried she was going to bring up something a lot more complicated. But it's not that this is a small matter. Because not reading the Bible daily, basically what she told me is, spiritually, I'm starving myself. If you ever, do a, a, if you ever want to read a fascinating study, read about the study of what happens when people starve themselves on purpose. One of the first organs to be consumed by the body, because with no food coming in, it starts to consume itself. One of the first areas it goes after is the brain. That's a scary thought, isn't it? And as it, as it consumes the brain, there... That, no, I didn't touch. Okay, there. Yeah, I was going to say, I couldn't have broken. I didn't touch a thing. Oh, but I've broken ones in the past, so that's why I was nervous. 
So this, this, is a, this is a scary issue. Look at the correlation when you think about it. If a person, I went out again, didn't I? Do you want me just to use this one? Should I just stay here? I'll stay here. I can stop wandering. So here's what happens. When a person is starving themselves physically, they're starting to gradually lose their minds. Now think about that in the spiritual realm. So if you're not reading your Bible daily, you're suffering from spiritual starvation. Don't be surprised if you don't find yourself struggling more. But there's a solution. That's the good news. So there's a few things you want to do under number three. First of all, deny yourself the option of skipping daily Bible reading. Just deny self. This is the art of self-denial. When self says, I don't feel like reading, you tell self, but we will. And that, that is really an important thing. It's ruling over yourself when you do that. Deny yourself the option of missing prayer. God wants to hear us. Don't you think it's an amazing and delightful thing that he never gets tired of the sound of our voices? You want to know one of the things that I find so comforting as a new widow? I love that God doesn't mind that I repeat myself. Because sometimes I'm coming to him with the same complaint. He heard it last Saturday. Saturdays are my hardest day as a widow because Saturdays were date night or date day, you could almost say, because we would do stuff all day long on a Saturday. So now when Saturdays come, I don't know what to do. Now, people are kind. I, the Lord has placed a lot of very, very sweet people in my life, and they, they try to keep involving me in things. But can I tell you something? People can't replace a person. But that doesn't mean we don't appreciate you trying. Sometimes I say no to invitations to things. Other times I say, you go. You're going. I don't care if you want to go or not. And then I go and I have such a great time. And the Lord uses it to get my focus off of my little pity party I was having. But we have to have this denying ourselves time. We don't want to miss scripture. We don't want to miss prayer time. During that time of prayer, we can literally lay our very hearts before the Lord. And there's not anything that he doesn't know. So we're not going to shock him. He knows what we're thinking. That's kind of sometimes scary, isn't it? Because sometimes I say to myself, do you do this? I say this, he saw that thought. <laughs> it, our thoughts are like a movie for God. He, can, he gets them all. It doesn't matter how quickly they pass through. He saw it. He heard it. He knows it. And finally, under number three, deny yourself the option of being ungrateful. Just deny yourself the option of being ungrateful. It's all tied to spiritual laziness. If we're not in the word, if we're not in prayer, we're not going to be grateful. And then you know what happens? Nothing satisfies us. Nothing. And if you've ever had that thought, like, I'm just so unhappy and I don't know why, trace backwards. Check your spiritual habits. Daily in the Word is how often God wants us to feed ourselves. Just like daily, you feed your physical body. Fasting is a really good exercise. Spiritually, it humbles us. It teaches us what it's like to go without. But God never asked any of us to fast until we die, did he? He didn't say fast and then you're going to perish from this earth. No, a fasting for the Lord so that he can give more clarity spiritually. That's a, that's a sacrificial form of fasting. But when we're not in the word, that's not a sacrifice. That's a detriment. We're hurting ourselves. He never meant for us to fast from his word. He did mean for us to feast on it. And so we need this daily. So what you're to do under number three, ask the Lord to help you develop healthy spiritual habits. And on that note about the daily and the word, I'm going to talk about that again some more tomorrow, and I'm going to give you a challenge. Number four out of five, and then we're almost done.
Practice ruling over your own spirit. Practice ruling over your own spirit. Proverbs 25, 28 is your scripture for this, but I bet a lot of you know this one by heart. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. What a word picture, huh? Broken down city. What were the walls for? Protection. So do we want to be broken down without walls? Do we want to be that city that's unguarded? We don't want that, do we? But the scripture's trying to paint a very vivid word picture for us here when it says, he that hath no rule over his own spirit. This actually translates, and when you look up meanings, and you're a wordy. Um, Courtney, you're a word geek. I'm just calling you out right now, you word geek. I love it. I'm a word geek, too. I'm always looking up definitions of words and always looking up in Strong's Concordance and digging into Bible dictionaries and things. But this is actually talking about having dominion over the rational mind. Dominion? Yes. Possible? Not without the Lord. God isn't asking us to do this in our own strength. He's asking us to do this in his power. He wants us to learn how to rule over our spirits in his power so that we won't be these cities that are vulnerable to attack. The enemy loves attacking the mind of a woman. That's why tomorrow we're going to talk about the territory of the mind because the enemy is after that territory and he's after it every day. And some of us have loved ones who he's been pretty successful with. And it's painful to watch. In fact, I bet there's women in here that have soaked your pillows at night, crying tears for someone that they are so twisted because the enemy was able to spin their minds around. We don't want that. We don't want to live like that, and we don't want to see anybody else living like that. We don't want to be broken down. We don't want to be without walls. So some things to jot down under number four Understand that there'll be days when you don't feel sweet. When this is talking about ruling over your spirit, it isn't saying that every day you're going to have a giant smile on your face and everything is going to be just absolutely heaven on earth forever and ever. That way, if someone ever tells you that, they made it up. But there's going to be days like that, but it doesn't mean that we can't still have a pleasant demeanor. Feeling sweet has nothing to do with being pleasant. The feelings aren't supposed to be running the show. Ruling over our own spirit says, I know you're not having a great day and you're still going to be pleasant. And then when you get home, you go run a great big bathtub of water, you put some lavender oil in there, and you get in that tub and you lock that door and leave people alone. But don't go chewing on other people because you've had a bad day. We can rule over our own spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit. And in fact, what he's doing on those kind of days is he's teaching us self-denial. On the days when we don't feel like being pleasant, and we're pleasant anyway, we're practicing the art of self-denial. We're saying, look you, you're not going to run this day, and you're not going to run it into the ditch. And you go through that day, well, isn't that faking? No, it's exercising. There's a difference. And when the Lord wants us to be consistent, we dare not call that faking. It's spiritual workout. You don't feel like it, but you do what's right anyway. That's spiritual exercise. And it's so good for us. Also remember this, the city that's broken down without walls is very open to enemy attack. You don't want to invite attack. When we learn how to rule over our own spirits, we're avoiding having those holes in our walls. But when we don't learn how to rule over our own spirit, it's like we're purposely leaving bricks out. And it's almost like we're saying, okay, there's an entry right there. If you can fit through there, enemy, I don't care what you do. We don't want to give the enemy easy access to us. Make the enemy work. We never want to leave ourselves open on purpose. 
And so God really wants us to learn how to practice this important principle of ruling over our own spirits. Guess what? He usually teaches us things like this through tests. So you're going to have a test really soon. Something's going to happen, and you're going to want to be broken down. And you're going to remember that, oh, wait, this is one of those tests where I need to not just default to my first reaction, but wait and say, Lord, how do you want me to respond to this? A tragedy. Lord, how do you want me to respond? Bad, sudden news. Lord, how do you want me to react to this? Any of these sudden situations, they're the things that we have to have the shield of faith for. You can't quench a fiery dart with your shield down. But if you've got that shield of faith up, then you're going to be able to block those fiery darts the enemy's going to throw at you in the form of unknown and unplanned and unexpected, and you're still trying to do what God wants you to do. You're still yielding to him and saying, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to respond to this? Whoa, I didn't see this coming. Here's the great thing. The things that happen in our lives that catch us by surprise never surprise God. We know that, right? I mean, can you imagine, really? Could you imagine God looking over the cloud in heaven and saying, oh, heavenly, oops, I didn't mean for that to happen. You know it's not like that. We know that God already knows what's coming on our calendar, but he has wisely hidden it from us. And he wants us to learn how to rule of our own spirit. So remember under number four, choose your responses and reactions wisely. He that handleth the matter wisely shall find good, the scripture says. And finally, number last, I learned that in Murfreesboro years ago. I think it was one of the Hudson sisters that said, number last. And I thought, oh, they are so cute. <laughs> Southern girls are so, so stinking cute. We've got the best accents on earth. You keep working on me this weekend, and by the time I get back to Pensacola, I'll at least know how to say hello properly. Hey. I'm working on it. You see that? Number five, learn to be slow to wrath. Learn to be slow to wrath. And the scripture tells us in Proverbs 14, 29, he that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. Am I still on this one or can I wander again? Where's my sound girl? Is there a sound girl? Am I, am I, it's, Check my button. She said, check my button. Did I, did I, I did something wrong, didn't I? It's just not, uh, I'll stay put. Oh, yeah. She's going to give me a, a, a toy. Hang on a second. Yeah. Can we do this? Is this okay? Good. Because I like to see the whites of people's eyes. There we go. Okay, this will be so much better. I'm just not really good at standing still. So I'll come over here and talk to you all, and then I'll come over there and talk to you all. So where are we? Oh, good. That was a test question. You passed. That's good. Learn to be slow to wrath. So it says in Scripture that if we are slow to wrath, we're of great understanding. That's a badge of honor. But the second part of the verse is not such a badge of honor. Being hasty of spirit, the Scripture says that exalts folly. It doesn't make us look good when we've got a short fuse. And it certainly doesn't make God look good. You know that no one should have to suffer our wrath? No one. Here's a question I ask ladies all over the country as, a, as kind of like a checkpoint question, something that you want to ask yourself every now and then. Would I want to live with somebody like me And if the answer is no, and at one of the conferences, a lady blurted out like really loudly, no way. And I thought, no, shh, don't tell. Nobody needs to know your business. Don't tell us that. But I thought to myself, I'd be scared to get in the car and go home with her then. Ooh. But she was really just being honest. Anger out of control is a relationship wrecker. 
It will wreck relationships all throughout your life. If you've ever suffered from somebody else's unreasonable wrath, you already know this. But you know, the things that we don't like having done to us, why would we then turn around and do it to someone else? If you don't like being chewed on, why would you chew on someone else? Well, because they had it coming. Wait a minute. Who gets to decide that? If we all decide we're all the judge and jury, we're going to have chaos. We don't determine what somebody has coming. That's God's territory. What we can determine is our response to other people's reactions, actions, behaviors, misbehaviors. We can determine our responses. And we need to have a goal, sister friends. We need to have a goal that as much as is possible, we want to live peaceably with all men. Peaceably with any human as much as possible. Now, I love that the scripture actually puts it like that, as much as is possible, as much as lieth in you. That means that sometimes it's not possible. Some people are plain unreasonable. So guess what? That means that you don't buddy up real close with them, but you don't shun them either. Every single human being needs love. And as soon as you encounter someone that's harsh and caustic, mark it down mental note. They've been hurt. They've been hurt. Something happened in their life, and it turned them edgy. And without knowing what it is, and you may never know, do you want to make it better or worse? If we respond in the way that people respond to us, especially when it's an incorrect response or reaction, we're never going to make it better. It reminds me of the time that I was at the Sam's Club and I had cakes on a big flatbed and I was pulling it up to the cashier and she looked at my big cart full of cakes and she said, wow, that's a big party you're having because I had several half sheets on there. I said, yeah, we're having a big fellowship after church tonight and pastor said that the ladies don't have to cook for a change. So we're buying cakes. This is a store-bought cake. And I was all excited, like, woo-woo. Now, I like homemade better. But who doesn't like a night off, right? So he gave the ladies the night off and said, we're going to throw a fellowship. And for a change, we're not going to throw it on the backs of the ladies. And I was like, scar, I'll pick up the cakes. And so I've got all these cakes. And so she said, well, what church did you go to? And I thought, and I'm just happy to tell you. And I'm getting my tract out of my purse. I said, I'm from First Baptist Church of Rosemount. And we would love to have you come. There's enough cake on here for you, too. And I'm all happy and excited about it. And she looked at me and she said, is that that church with the red buses? I said, yes, ma'am. And I thought, even better. She knows our buses. This is great. She said, I would never step a foot in that church. <laughs> Talk about it's like let all the air out of the balloon. I was all excited, and I thought she was getting ready to say she was going to come, and instead she told me she would never come. I said, well, what happened? And she said, one of your people from those buses, I didn't like how he talked to me, and I honestly thought it was rude. I would never come to your church. I said, oh, ma'am, I don't know what was said, but I am so sorry. I'm very, very sorry. And she said, well... That's all I've got to say. I said, yes, ma'am. And I just took the licking and kept on ticking because you know what? I don't know what happened. I know it irritated her. That was clear. But as I walked away, I thought about it, and I thought, you know what? I bet that that person never intended for it to have that outcome. But that's what can happen when we feel like we need to be rude because somebody else was rude. The way she spoke it made me guess she probably popped off and said something that brought this all on. I can't say that she was at fault because I wasn't there. But she had such a harsh way of talking that I was trying to imagine her talking to a guy like she talked to me. And I thought, mm, I don't know, but this was probably a two-way street. But regardless of that, we have got to take responsibility for our responses. So the next rude cashier you have I want you to imagine that she's going to come down the aisle at church and see you up in the choir. And I want you to pause a minute and think, 
do you want her to recognize you? That's that lady. She smarted off at me at the cash register because I took a little too long. That's that lady. Do you want to have that happen? We should treat everybody in public like they're our next soul winning opportunity. Everybody. We've got Christ. How dare we keep somebody else from Christ because of some little encounter that we didn't like how it went? This is too important. Life's too short. It really truly is a vapor. We never know if we're going to get another chance to have an encounter with a person we don't know. So we want to be so careful to be slow to wrath. We don't want to hurt people by a moment of unthinking harshness. And what is this hasty of spirit? Well, here's some symptoms. You're easily irritated. I mean, it doesn't take much to tip you over and pour you out. You are just easily irritated. Here's another symptom. You're impatient. You can't stand waiting for anything. You just absolutely hate waiting. You want the answer now. You want the solution now. You want this fixed now. You want this over now. Impatient. Here's another one. You're critical of others. Now, critical people sit on the sidelines and call the plays, and they're not even in the game. It really is so easy to be critical, but it is so, so wrong. And it is an indication that you're hasty of spirit. So your to-do under number five, ask the Lord to guide your responses. Ask him to guide your responses. We have three things that we were instructed to do in Luke 9, 23. Deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow Christ. Let's ask the Lord to help us do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is a short list of very big things. It is not an easy thing, Lord, for us to deny ourselves. And taking up a cross, when we know what the cross meant, this is a very, very big thing you're asking, Lord. And following you, when we're so self-willed, is such a very difficult thing to do. And so, Lord, what we need is your help. And we're admitting it tonight, that without you, we can do nothing. Please help us to learn how to master this area of self-denial. I pray that you'd point out whatever area it is in our lives where you want us to start. Maybe it's our tongue. Maybe it's our attitude. Maybe it's our impatience. Whatever it is, Lord, whatever you touch, I pray that we'll yield to you. And we ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen.